Welcome in to the Catfish and Ice Podcast, episode 44, playoff edition of the Catfish and Ice Podcast. This is Chad Mitten with Rich Howe and Colin Blue, your host. We are really uh, pumped up about episode 44 because we're getting ready to talk about some playoff hockey for the Nashville Predators. How are the guys doing today? Doing good. Can't wait till Monday. Yes, sir. <clears throat> ready to get it going. Yeah, we waited forever for this playoff schedule to get to us. I mean, it was like, how is the NFL releasing their schedule before the hockey playoffs can announce their schedule? I mean, classic NHL. They really know how to make us wait, don't they? But um, we finally have a playoff schedule, and this whole episode, episode 44, is dedicated to the playoffs. We've got. Series predictions, not only how many games we think the series is going to go, but we're going to get into more in-depth predictions. We're going to talk about some X-Factors in this series, some players we think really have to step up their game to get the Predators over the hump. We're going to talk about the postseason lineup because John Hines, head coach John Hines, has a really tough task in front of him to figure out who needs to start, who's going to get scratched. There's a log jam at Ford's of the forward position right now. I feel like someone's going to get left off this starting lineup that deserves to be in. I think we all agree on that. So we're going to like kind of like dive into this. And then, of course, we're going to bring back some Preds trivia. We're going to see – we're going to test our Preds knowledge here. Let's see if we really know what we're talking about here. And uh, I got some good, good questions in line here. I think the other guys have some good questions to ask as well. We'll end, the, end off the episode with that. So uh, let's get right into it. First of all, how's the week going uh, for you guys? Ready for the- <laughs> it's almost the weekend, yeah. Definitely ready for the weekend. Well, so we have we have a weekend to really get ready, and then Monday's mm-hmm. going to get here, and it's going to be all about getting in gear for what we hope is a repeat of 2017. Am I right? Like, we're – that's kind of what we're thinking right now. We're thinking, let's repeat what we did in 2017. That the deck is stacked against us. No one's counting us in. No one thinks we can beat the Carolina Hurricanes. No one thought the Preds could beat the Chicago Blackhawks. And here we are. So why not us? Let's get in the. Let's get through this weekend. Let's let's celebrate being in the playoffs and talking playoff hockey. And then it's time to get down to business. So uh, this is episode 44 of the Catfish and Ice podcast, presented by DraftKings. Go get the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Get ready for UFC 262. Put your uh, MMA knowledge to test. And have a lot of fun with the promo code THPN and use our promo code. That's, again, the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app to turn $1 into $100 on a main event fighter of your choice. You can have a lot of fun with that. And, again, just go bet $1 on $100 on a select main card fighter for a limited time only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 years or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania. New customers only or restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. So UFC 262, go bet on a fighter, go win, go win you some cash. And then you can turn it around and bet on the Predators. How about that? That's right. There we go. 
Put your money where your mouth is at, Smashville. Bet on some Predators here. I know you can get. In, I know you can get it. Get in on the underdog action here with the Predators because absolutely a lot of people, including myself, don't have faith that they can get past this round. But I know uh, my esteemed co-host uh, Colin and Rich have the Preds in six. Yep, unless yes, they've changed their minds since the last episode, or are you guys holding true? Holding true. Holding, holding true. true. That's what I like to see. That's all I like to see. All right. So let's start it off here with some X factors. Who do we have as our X factors in this series? I think that the obvious choice is UC Soros uh, because goaltending can change everything. If you have a hot goaltender, it doesn't matter how bad your team might be. Uh, a goaltender can carry you further than you might expect. So we're going to go ahead and say UC Soros is a clear X factor. But let's throw in some other guys. Let's start with Rich here. Rich, give us a player. Give us a player that, that's really on your radar, a player that's like, okay, if this player really steps up their game, it's going to put a, it's going to really put us in a good position here. Um, yeah, so I'm going to go with Matt Duchesne. Ooh, so I really – yeah, he – I really saw um, – I know they were playing, you know, not all the players for Carolina in their last game. But Matt Duchesne looked like he was really wanting to um, turn up his game and up it a little bit. He got, uh, you know, some goals. He looked good. So, you know, I think it's time for him. This will be the this will be the the uh, playoffs that he really needs to step up and earn that eight million dollars. I think. <laughs> and that's what it's really about. That's what. That's why he. That's why he gets so much criticism. Is his contract? People see that. Con- they people see that contract and they want to see results. Now's the time yeah. to do it. It's in the playoffs. Yeah, and I'm not a, I'm not a Matt Duchesne hater by any means. I've I've seen him do good things, and he, you know, there's he sets up guys really well. He does a good job with that. It's just you know now's the time we really really need him to step up. Yep, and he's got so, uh, he's got great analytics too. I mean, he's got a great yeah. Corsi score. I mean, his Corsi is right up there above his career average right now. He does a lot of things well, but as you say, he's got to start producing. He's got to start building yeah. points. He doesn't necessarily have to pile up the goals, but mm-hmm. we really want to see it start producing in terms of scoring. And so yeah. um, it's a good choice there. Uh, Colin, what do you got, man? So I, I got a few for you here. They're kind of different different scenarios. So um, for the first one for me, I think about, you know, the power play. Obviously, Ellie Tolvanen hasn't been, you know, what he was before he, you know, got injured. He's gotten one goal, I believe, since he came back. But it wasn't a power play goal. And so I think the next X factor on the power play would be Mikhail Granlin. I think that if he can – if if Tolvanen can't get it going, Granlin can't – Granny can, and he can hopefully produce some points that really help us out, especially because he's very opportunistic on that power play. Um, and, and we kind of – we've seen him do it before. So I think this is – he's due for a hot streak, and, and now it's time to get it. Um, next one for me is just the, the scoring in general. Philip Forsberg has also not been necessarily mm-hmm. – up to the level that he was before he got injured. And so I think the next player that could step up and really kind of has actually anyways already is uh, Luke Cunning. I think Luke Cunning is due for a really good playoff series. Uh, he matches up well with Carolina, especially the way he plays. So he's a good one. And then the last one for me, it's a defensive combo or two defensive players. Uh, one that's gotten back from injury or both really gotten back from injury and both are kind of playing, um, but they're young and, and they've gotten a lot to show for us. So, uh, I'm going with Dante Fabro and Alexander Carrier. I think that if they, you know, if they play their game, they're really good forecheckers, really good offensive-minded defensive you know, defensemen. Um, but they play some pretty smart defense, and then they're pretty fast too, which is 
what you need when you're gonna when you're gonna beat a Carolina team. You can't make mistakes, but you gotta be fast and you gotta be able to poke check and really make sure that you disrupt them. And I think those two do it very well. So I'm hoping that they can make a difference in the series. Yeah, kind of a really good choice as well. Yeah, the Cunnin's two he been, had two goals. Yeah, he's been a monster. Cunning's been stepping up his game this entire during this really during this entire uh, run that they've mm-hmm. made to yeah. the playoffs. I mean, yep. he's just all over the place. So that's definitely a player that you hope keeps this going into the postseason. You're you're hoping that there, that there's not a, a lapse in his play, but um, there's a player that Rich, so Matt Duchesne's a big one for me as well. That I'm I'm right there with Rich. He was on my list. Uh, Matt Duchesne is a player that, analytically speaking, is playing great. We know the talent he has. We know the skill level he has. And we know that he he's out there to really prove something. I can see it in his eyes when he's playing. Like, the guy is not taking shifts off. Like, one, you can be a Matt Duchesne critic all you want, and some of it is understood. But this guy is out there putting it all out there for this team. We can't accuse this guy of not putting it all out there right now. And so what I really want to see is it is – it, I know you guys remember in the Stanley Cup qualifiers, him sitting on the bench alone. Mm-hmm. Remember yeah. that? Absolutely. I think we still had that same Matt Duchesne right now. I don't think he ever left that mode. I think he's thinking right. the same way right now. He knows he has something to prove. He knows about that contract. He knows all about this. And I and think this, this could guy be- – yeah, I was gonna say this could this could be his last contract too. I mean, he's getting up there not not you know too old, but the contract is for eight years. By the time he gets done, he's gonna be what thirty eight years old. You don't usually see much after thirty eight. So, yeah. I mean, this is kind of it for him unless he you know he needs to produce somewhere, whether it's with us or whether you know we try to entice Seattle to take him. But you know, his window for for you know securing a cup is is closing, yeah. and he wants to be greatest centers one of the greatest really forwards you know to ever play the game and you gotta you gotta produce at a high clip so. yeah and and everybody knows how much he loves being in nashville oh and, yeah you know, if he got if, if something happened in seattle wound up they made a deal with seattle and he went there i i mean i'm obviously he's gonna go play for him but you know that would probably just break his heart he can go grunge yeah. he can go grunge rock it's okay yeah he might i don't know he sure does um. like the country <laughs> He, he does, but, uh, he, but hey, if he plays well, man, he could secure a spot in Nashville for years to come. Well, so. yeah, and exactly. I'm glad you brought. I'm glad you brought up the whole Seattle thing because it's really not. That's not far fetched what you're saying here because uh, we got to think about that kind of thing right now. This expansion draft, we're all in playoff mode right now, but the expansion draft is coming. And we're going to lose somebody that we yeah. most likely covet on this team. And when it comes to a player like Matt Duchesne, he's he's definitely playing. You know, that's got to be in the back of his mind. But I know he's invested in this team. I, I just I don't yeah. see him as the type of player that's in it for himself. I think that he is really out there playing with a chip on his shoulder, like a lot of this team's doing right now. And so I'm really just like in the qualifiers. I feel like I'm repeating myself. I was saying the same thing going into the qualifiers uh, back in August. Uh, it's crazy to think it was already that long ago, but. Um, I was saying the same thing about Matt Duchesne. This guy has, is out there, and he has something to prove. Ever since he came to Nashville on that contract over the offseason, it was such a big offseason addition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It had so much eyeballs on it. Everyone was talking about it. I mean, so he's, had had these, he's had these expectations get, on him since he came here. 
Well, we had yeah. to get rid of PK Subban to do it. And yeah. PK was a big part of the community and on the ice too. Yeah. So I mean, he, his play was declining a little bit, but at the same time, like we got rid of someone that was probably one of the most visible predators on the roster in terms of community engagement and just what they were what they brought to the ice. So you know, for that, the price to get him, it's pretty high. It's higher than just what we pay him in contract. But yeah, I think that he, it's it's crucially steps up. I got, I got one more X factor for you guys. Uh, it may not be someone that it, it may not be someone that actually sees the ice, but for me, it's the the emotional X factor, and I think it's Pecorine. I mm-hmm. think with this possibly being Pekka's last you know playoff run, we don't know for sure. But if it is, you know, if they, if they, if they get a cup this year, then I think that's it for Pekka easily. I think you ride off into the sunset oh. and say, "Hey, I got I got my cup. I'm I'm good." But you know, I think that that's the big one is that they, you know, you you saw the outpouring on Monday night, just what he means to his team, what he means to his teammates. You know, everyone has said he is the best guy, the best teammate I've ever had. There's there's nobody more deserving on this team. You know, veteran. I mean, even Romagnosi. Romagnosi deserves, but Pecorino deserves it more. Pecorino has been the stalwart. He's been the franchise for so long that, for me, he's the emotional X factor of the team. That's a good one. That is a really good one. I didn't even think about that. Um, I do know that we're going to talk a little bit later in the episode about some predictions and what, how we see UC Soros playing in this series. So Pecorino will probably come back into the conversation there. But as far as X factors, I did not have Pecorini on my radar, but that's a really good point you make, uh, Colin, because emotionally speaking and him, his presence in the locker room, that's definitely true. It's definitely true. Uh, and then uh, I think it was, uh, Colin, you, you brought up Philip Forsberg. I want to get into Philip Forsberg a little bit as an X factor. Might seem like an obvious choice as an X factor because he's arguably the best player on the team. Um, you know, I know we can argue about, about, about Roman Yossi and UC Soros and who's the team MVP and all that. But as far as scoring, just raw scoring ability and just being able to affect that part of the game, it's definitely Philip Forsberg. So maybe when you say X factors, you might think, well, that's a little bit of an obvious choice. But Forsberg has not been taking over games as mm-hmm. much as you would like to see lately. Um, I know he does a lot of different things on the ice. I know he's a he's a he's a really good hitter. He's a good checker, four checker. He does other things. He's really brought up his assist numbers. He knows how to distribute the puck as uh, as his career has progressed. He's become a really good passer, and so I know he's a well rounded player. But I am ready. This is why I put Phil Forsberg on my X factor list. I'm ready for Phil Forsberg to take over a series. I'm ready for him to be like, I'm not going to be denied. I'm going to go out there and score a couple goals. I'm going to go set up my line mates. I'm going to not be denied here. And I know he has the talent to do that. There's no question about that. I need to see it. And I'm ready to see that in this series. I would say, and I hope I'm not ruining anybody's trivia question here, but I mean, he's the – he's the Predators' leading point getter in the playoffs. It's kind of like, you know, there's playoff Colin Wilson, but really, like, playoff Philip Forsberg is next level. Like, he's not really been known to take over games necessarily in the regular season. But when it comes to the playoffs, that's where Philip Forsberg can really shine. I don't know if it's just another switch that he flips. But especially, like, that's where the Joe line made their money. Like, that's where the bread and butter of the Joe line is because you come into that and you look at Philip Forsberg, the leader in, all, you know, the leader in playoff goals. You look at Ryan Johansson, the leader in playoff assists. Like, those two right there, that I mean, especially Philip Forsberg, because you need the goals. Like he's gonna have to flip that switch that he he's flipped in the past. But if he does that, if we get you know even you know even 2018 pro, uh, playoff Philip Forsberg, that's still a solid Philip Forsberg. I think he produced like six points. I want to so say. So the last uh, the last two playoff series for Philip Forsberg, 
Let's go back to 2019. Phil Forsberg, that was against the Dallas Stars. That was kind of the that was kind of like the uh, beginning of okay, the Preds are really in trouble here. Was when they got eliminated by the Stars. At least I, some people think it was when we lost to the Jets, but for me, it was really when we got eliminated in the first round of the Stars in 2019. But uh, Forsberg had six games in that series, and he had one. He was limited to one goal and one assist in that series. Five point six shooting percentage, only had eighteen shots on goal. In six mm. games, no power play goals. That was that was bad. You can you yep, if yep. that if that production repeats, I'm not even sure the Preds make it to six games in the series. That's just me personally. But let's look let's let's look to 2020 in the Stanley Cup qualifiers in the Edmonton bubble. Uh Forsberg actually played really well. Four games, mm-hmm. three goals, <laughs> two assists, five points, 23 shots on goal. So upped his production, at least his shot production from 2019 in fewer games, had two power play goals. That's the kind of production we need from Forsberg in this series to match Carolina's um, speed and their offensive production they're going to bring to the table. We need Forsberg to be at a point-per-game type of pace in this playoff series. We need him to to show that he's in that second tier of elite players in the NHL. I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to ever put Forsberg in the elite level top tier of Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews. I'm not going to put him in that class ever. Right. But in that second tier of players, I really want to put Forsberg in there. But he's got to show it. He's got to show it in the playoffs. Yeah, this so is consistency. Been, yeah, he's been back for five games, and we've we've looked at him and kind of been like, you know, when's he going to turn it back on? But he's gotten three points in those five games, so maybe that's enough for him to. Start turning the heat up when the playoffs start. Hopefully, hope that's what we need to see. Yep, he's yeah. a top X factor for all of us here. Yeah, um, Mike. Uh, Mike Twitter's on here. He said Olivier is his game changer, for his X factor. Let's okay. let we got to see if he gets in the in the starting lineup yeah. though. Yeah. I mean, he could be yeah. an X factor, but uh, we're gonna get into it a little thing. bit later. Uh, Mike Twitter, thanks for the for the comment yes. there and the response. I agree with Definitely. you, but he's got to get in the lineup first, and I think he's right on that bubble. Of getting in, uh, there's just a log jam right now yeah. when it comes to choosing who's going to start for game one, and we're going to talk about it a little bit later yeah. in this episode. But, um, Matthew Olivier is a, a, definitely a player that can change things on that fourth line, so we're going to get into that, but uh, definitely not off on that at all. No, and so, um, any other X factors? I think, I, uh, one of y'all brought up Fabro, I think it was Colin, you brought up Fabro, yeah. I got some thoughts on Fabro. Fabro is a player that I've always thought gets unjust criticism for his youth and for his age. I feel like people think he's been in the league longer than he's been. Like it's almost like people treat this guy like he's 28 years old or something like this guy still has the total future in front of him. We don't even know what his peak's going to be yet. And so as far as making him an X factor in this series, I think that's a really good choice as well because um, I have him penciled in, not to get it too far ahead of ourselves, but we're actually going to reveal kind of how we think our playoff rosters, roster lines should be constructed. But I definitely have uh, Fabro on the second defensive pairing, um, or the third actually. He, he could be put on the second, but I actually have him on the third defensive pairing. Uh, because I think that that's where he fits best on the lineup. You could put him on the second pairing as well. We're going to talk about that. But when it comes to Fabro, he's definitely an X factor as far as 
is he ready to take that next step as far as playoff success and being in these pressure moments? So that's another good what about, one. What about the what about the entire herd line? Do you think they're an X factor? Oh yeah, got, I mean that's a, that's a tone setters. That, yeah, yeah, they, they've been they've been carrying the team down to the end here. We got to see yeah. how that herd line is going to be constructed, though. That's that's yeah, that's, that's what I'm kind of getting at. Like, I, got, I got some thoughts on that. So we'll we're gonna get to, get to it. I got some thoughts. Yeah, I just think so, you know with with who you know if if they construct it and leave it like it is with who's in there, then you know you got Jano with no playoff experience, so he's gonna need to like keep his head on straight. So let's go ahead and get into it. Let's go ahead and get, let's go ahead and get to it right now. Let's talk about our playoff rosters. Let's talk about how we really want to build this lineup because now we're in the playoffs. The taxi squad thing's kind of over with. I mean, it's back to normal playoff roster limits. Uh, You've got the 23 man roster. You've got, uh, you've got some scratches that you can take with you to the playoffs, but you've got John Hines has to set his playoff lineup, and uh, it's going to be tough because there's going to be players who maybe deserve to be in the lineup that might not make it. At least game one, they might not make it. And so um, I've got – I've actually built my entire lineup, my ideal lineup, and I don't have to go – I mean, I can kind of list it off real line? quick. What's that? You want to go line by line? We can go you line by line real quick. Uh for me, my top line is Philip Forsberg, Ryan Johansson, and Ellie Tolvanen. Yep, and that's that is, my that's my top line for game one. And that are we is all in agreement there. We are yep. high. Yeah, definitely. I think most people are in agreement with that. I think it's pretty straightforward there. You're not going to break up Forsberg and Tolvanen. I think Ryan Johansson has earned his right to be that top line center. He's been there. He knows what it takes to win in these types of situations. He's, he's played much better uh, this season than he did last season. So I think that line's pr- that top line is pretty clear-cut for me. But you do see some of these people wanting to get creative with this right now, and that's going to happen. But for me, yeah. I'm not messing with it. I'm not messing with it. That's my top line. I don't see a reason to break it up. Uh, second line, I think we might break apart here. I don't know. We'll see. I've got um, – First of all, let me talk. Let, let me start with Victor Arvidsson. Victor Arvidsson's been dealing with an injury. He's missed some games. Uh, it looks like he's going to be ready for game one. It's nice to have this little break before the playoffs start. And um, he's practicing now and stuff. And so I've got Arvidsson on my second line with Callie Yarncroke and Michael Granlund as the center. That's what I have as my second line. Um, I know there's going to be some people who disagree with that. How do you guys feel about that? Um, I I still have the, the lineup we've gone with before, where it's Cal Yarncroke, Mikhail Grandland, and Luke Cunnan. Uh, but there's a reason to it. I can I can when we get to the third line, I'll kind of get into why. But yeah, that's my that's my second line is Cali, uh Granny, and then Cunnan. Okay. Yeah, so I went with Arvidsson, Grandland, and Cunnan. Um, I was kind of wavering on Yarncroke being on there. Oh, so we're all different here. Yeah, a little bit, but I just – I think Yarncroak and Cunnan are kind of interchangeable on the second and third, so I, I like Cunnan on the second, though. All right. I, I think, for me, Cunnan, I think, kind of finishes Granlin's setups a little bit better. That's kind of yeah. where I'm at All with right. that. That's – yeah, I agree. I and, and honestly, I mean, I think you can really make arguments for, for – I think there's a lot of interchangeable players in this scenario. 
for us here. Like like Rich just said that you said that who's interchangeable again? You said uh Cunning and Yarncrook. So for uh, me, Cunning and Arvidsson are interchangeable. Yeah. Like, but I just I'm leaning on experience here, and I know that seems old school. I know that seems like old man get off my lawn type of stuff right now. But uh, I just I I take value in that. And it's not to say that Cunning can't take this moment and, and run with it, but I I just trust Arvidsson in this role with Yarncroke and with Michael Gramland a little bit more. I really like that top six. You've got you've got five of those six players with right. playoff experience or um, it, at the very least, like highly skilled, and then you got Tolvanen. Uh, mm-hmm. Gramlin doesn't have a ton of uh, playoff experience either, but I still like that playoff experience, and for me, that means a lot. And then that still makes me very confident in this third line. And I've said this in previous episodes: bumping Luke Cunning down is not a a shot at him. No, I no. for me, I like him on that third line with uh, Eric Halla. And with Matt Duchesne centering that third line, I'm sorry. Please find me a better third line center if you're putting Matt I mean, Duchesne as your third line center. Well, okay. So here's the thing. I, I for that, Eric Hollow has actually been playing really well, especially in the faceoff circle at center. Mm-hmm. And so that's a line when you're looking at possibly a situation where you get to ice the puck or any kind of situation like that where you need to win faceoffs. You have two capable centermen that can win face-offs one can play forward if worst case scenario if someone has to be sent out you have someone else that steps right in and is just as good possibly even better i mean eric Halla has been playing better in the face-offs in the face-off circle but matt duchene has a longer resume of doing well in the face-off circle so i think that that alone helps us out especially from a tactical standpoint but where i stand with the third line is um I, I, I kind of go with a mix. So Eric Hall kind of presents that physicality, especially the way he plays. He's very gritty down low. Matt Duchesne's a finesse. For me, the the, the next factor you need to add to that is speed, which is for me, Victor Arvidsson. That's where I put him is I go RV, Halla, Matt Duchesne. However, if Halla for whatever reason struggles, let's say he just he's not he's committing some mental errors, he's not winning face off at the clip that he has been, you know, as of late, you slide Matt Duchesne into center. And then for me, this is where I get a little bit creative, a little bit crazy, but you go Olivier. So you have speed, wow. finesse, and physicality mm-hmm. right there. Kind of a, a, a herd line light, if you will. Right. So that's kind of herd line light. That's a good one, yeah. nice. actually. All right. So we're kind of like, we're kind of all over the place with second and third line, but that's kind of what you got to expect with this team. I mean, this team has a lot of interchangeable parts. So let's uh, go to the fourth line. I don't this should be pretty easy. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't touch it. Geno's done well, too much right for me. I don't to, think to it's that simple because you've you've got you've got Olivier who we just mentioned who is healthy now, and you still got Geno, Sissons, and Trennan. So you, one of them has to be a scratch. Which I one do you scratch? scratch? For me, for me, I'm sorry. I got to go with who's been playing more down the stretch. And I've got Tanner Janot, Colton yeah. Sissons, Yakov Trennan. Olivier yeah. is a scratch for game that, one. And I hate exactly to say it. Right. It's yep. not fair to Olivier. It's not anything he did wrong. The thing um, is, Olivier has not been in. So people, I think, don't right. realize Olivier has not actually been injured the last few weeks. He's been scratched. 
Um, and the, the reality of that is, is just because Olivia is a great, Olivia is a great player. Like he, he kind of, he's yeah, a very yeah. much, very close to Tanner, Janot in terms of blue collar gritty, you know, this is the kind of player that is physical in the right ways, but can also produce offensively. But Tanner, Janot, I mean, he's just producing it at such a high clip and Jakob Trenin, Jakob Trenin has, he, there are some things about Jakob Trenin. He has Trenin offensive where, skill. Yakov Trenin yeah, has offensive you, skill. Yeah. When you look at his game, like he's got some handles, he's got some speed, he's, he's got, got some got things that are very under, he's got some power moves. There's some things that are very good. underrated about his game that he yeah. as he matures, because he's still like he's what 22, 23, like as he matures, he could be a very, very interesting class feature. That's why I couldn't take Trenin out of the lineup for right. Olivier for that exact yeah. reason. It's yep. because yeah. I think Trenin brings a little more offensive uh pizzazz than olivier does that's the only reason i did that and it's it's a it's in a way it's an embarrassment of riches like we have a lot of options here like we have some choices and that's a nice feeling to have uh if it was clear cut it was like okay this is who we know who we want to start let's please make sure we don't start these guys that'd be one thing but the fact that we're even having this discussion right now just tells you that it's up for debate, and there's players out there who deserve to start, and you can only start so many players. Yeah, and Trenton's yeah. got that that speed and everything and the handles, and he's also got that physicality. He's a big Yeah, he's boy. got a little bit of both. And he just, you know, he uh, he gets in there and mixes it up a lot. So one, play, one player we haven't brought up that I do think is, is, is going to be a scratch, a healthy scratch, is Nick Cousins. Yeah. Another player who has physicality, another player who brings that tenacity that you don't want the Predators to lose. It's what got them here, and it's tough to leave a player like that out of your lineup. So I do think that he needs to be waiting in the wings to start. Let's say game one goes completely wrong, and just it's horrible. We get pushed around, and John Hines sees the need to make a switch quick, I could see Cousins being a player that gets inserted quickly. I mean, really, like my three scratches are almost aligning of, them, of themselves. It's kind of an intriguing line. I've got yeah. the three forward scratches I've got are Rocco Grimaldi and, and then um, Matthew Olivier at wing and then Eric Cousins – or not Eric Cousins, Nick Cousins at center. That's, so, that's my three scratches, so we're right on yeah. board with each other there. And, yeah. and I feel like that, especially if you like, let's say for worst case scenario, if we lose, you know, an entire line, like you put those three in, that's kind of intriguing. You got the physicality, like both in Olivier and, and Cousins have a different kind of physicality. I think Olivier is more like much more in your face. Nick Cousins is more subversive, especially the way he mm-hmm. like gets under, under the other team's skin. But then Rocco Grimaldi, I mean, you want to talk about a player that Rocco Grimaldi coming off of being a scratch and putting being inserted into the lineup if someone struggles, that's your spark plug. I mean, he he might not be able to mm-hmm. as big as you know Carolina is, but if you want to talk about keeping up with their speed, yeah. Rocco can do that. And he showed that the other night. I don't want to hear that mess of, well, they weren't starting their starters. And we weren't either. But Rocco's yeah. still like that goal the other night that he scored. I yeah. mean, that was that was a statement to me. So, uh, you know, those three, I think you roll with those three waiting in the wings. But I think that those three, if you, they're almost the type of people, the way they play the game, that if you make them wait, then by the time that they actually get the start, or get the chance to play, they're going to really come out like men on fire. So, but I think that's a, a good a good kind of group that to have waiting back there if something were to happen. Yeah, and you think about Grimaldi, his goal. How many games had he been scratched in a row? You know, and he came oh, in yeah. and scored that goal, and it was an amazing goal. It was gorgeous, and yeah, you know, 
it's it, great. And, it, and, it, and shorthanded on the penalty kill. Who and shorthanded. Rocco, Rocco Grimaldi on the penalty kill. Like right. that's, yeah. not, I've never spoken those it's, words it's in the same sentence. If the Predators struggle to score in the first one or two games of the series and the, and the speed looks stagnant or they're not generating shots on goal or whatever it happens, I think you throw Grimaldi in there. I think you have to put him in. Like you're saying, he's a spark plug. Yeah. Um, I'm not exactly so sure that he won't be in the starting lineup. But, again, you have to go back to, well, who do you take out? It's a tough problem to have because yeah. if you put yeah. Grimaldi in, as much as you want to put him in, who do you take out? That means you have to take out Tanner Janot. That means you have to take out a Luke Cunning. That means you have to take out an Eric Holla. It's like there's just not enough room to put all these players in. So I think Grimaldi is initially out of the lineup, but yeah, if, the, if the team struggles to generate offensive pressure, then you're throwing him in immediately well, to and spark those, something. Those, those yeah. two guys that you mentioned, Cunning and, and Halla, both have been playing excellent the last part. So of what the do season. you do? So, so what, what do you do? do? Exactly, you don't know. You know, well, and Mike Twitter, Mike Twitter made a good comment about RV not being 100%. If RV isn't 100%, he practiced in full today, but if he struggles, you know, earlier, he just doesn't look like he's himself uh, within the first few games. Rocco is kind of the, the great value Victor Arvidsson, so that would definitely good make point. sense to put him in there. Very good, good point, good point. Yeah. very good point. But, Let's move on. So, so we we agree on our scratches there, uh, Nick Cousins, Matthew Olivier, Rocco Grimaldi. But the beauty of it is, if you need to make adjustments, you can move those players in. It's not set in stone. Um, so the biggest thing there is lines two through four, there's a lot of different ways you can go with this. Yeah. So we're going to be keeping our eyes out, just like we do during the regular season. We're going to be keeping our eyes out for how these lines are going to come out here. It's going to yeah. be interesting to see. Let's get to the defense. Not quite as much drama. With the defensive pairings, I think it's obvious that Roman Yossi and Ryan Ellis are your top pairing. No, no doubt that. about that. No, uh, no brainer for me anyway. I mean, I guess there are some people that would maybe disagree and get crazy with it. But for me, it's Roman Yossi, Ryan Ellis at the top. Uh, second, second pairing, I think it's also pretty – we're all pretty much in agreement here. It's uh, Matias Ekholm and it's Alexander Carrier. Uh, Carrier is absolutely taking it. Uh-oh. You don't agree with that, Colin? Uh-oh. I'm getting nods here. All right, state your case, Colin. I go with Dante Fabro just because right. I, I, I like Alexander Carrier. I think that Alexander Carrier plays better with Matt Benning, and, and that's where I put him as a, a third pairing. Uh, with that Matt Benning, but I think Fabro just brings more. I think that that's more dynamic in terms of the defensive pairing. I kind of go top heavy with my defensive pairings just because you want them to be able to get on the four check and that third pairing needs some offensive depth as well. And they get more ice time. They get more ice time too. I think I think there's more balance with with uh, Ekholm and Fabro, whereas Carrier I think can bring more to the the four check and the third pairing, and so um, especially because Benning's not going to do that. Benning is a very good; he's been very solid for us. I think so he's I give, a, probably been a good bargain for us, but that's my 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 take. Let me give my rebuttal here. My my rebuttal here <laughs> to you, Colin. Um, the reason why I want to put Carrier on the second pairing is I think at this point he brings a more offensive style to his game than what Fabro is bringing at his point in his career. And I think in this series against Carolina, we're going to have to keep up with them on the scoreboard. As much as I love Soros and as much as he's playing a Vesna type of game right now, I think the Carolina Hurricanes are going to get their three to four goals per game 
maybe we'll hold them to two goals or one goal. Maybe Soros will stand on his head one game. Not saying that. But the Hurricanes are going to get their goals in this series. I really feel that. And I mm-hmm. think we're going to have to figure out a way to keep up with them to win this series. And so I, I think Carrier just has more speed. He has more of an offensive style. And so I want to put him with Eckholm. I think Eckholm's playing very well as far as he's playing some of the best. He's always been an underrated defenseman um, in his whole career. So I'm not worried about him at all. And then I think, okay, move Fabro. He's to the third pairing. I totally trust him in that role. And yeah. then Benning has low-key – low-key Benning's been playing well in that role. I know it's a very um, – low risk, like doesn't get a lot of exposure, third pairing. Don't, just don't screw up too bad and you'll be fine on the in that role. And I think Benning's done that. So, But there's still arguments out there. Why not put Ben Harper in there? Why not put Jeremy Davies in there? Why and not so, put Lucas Pisa in there? Lucas Pisa. I don't think – I still don't think he's around, Rich. I think he's still uh, – Fabros Pisa. God, no. Gosh. I, th- oh, I think no. Spiza's in another uh, planet somewhere. I don't know. I so my my scratches would be Benning it would be a Harper because I think Harper definitely deserves some some possible time if yeah. need be if somebody needs to rest. Go. I think Harper's been one of our better acquisitions as well. But then I actually don't go good Branson. I I know I don't like, we got him for, for no. death. I go David Ferentz. I really like David Ferentz. I really like what, he, what he brings to the game. Um, you want to talk about offensive minded? Like, I mean, the thing is, I would love to see a Ferentz Fibro like combo, especially the Boston University connection. All but right. both of them. Both of them just seem almost like carbon copies and that they kind of complement what each other one another does. And yeah. they do a lot of the same things very well. So So I'm I'm yeah. let, let me go back to let me go back to Lucas Pisa real quick. I'm pretty sure oh, Lucas Pisa I'm pretty sure Lucas Pisa is on the current Mars mission right now that we're doing with uh SpaceX or whatever you want to call it. I think Lucas Pisa is uh, surveying Mars right now because I haven't seen him around here in a while. So uh, yeah, a really he's on tall- another planet. He's a, a really tall, genius. <laughs> there's a really tall guy just moved down down the street from us, and he's got like a it looks like a fake mustache. I think it might be Lucas Bison. Like the oh, there you go. Program, got a so. new neighbor. His name. But like, uh, circling back to, in all seriousness, circling back Bill, to Branson, yeah. I just I'm really worried that he's going to be the third pairing defenseman for the playoff roster in Game One. And yeah, I'm not uh, saying God. I'm not saying it's the I'll end of the world if he is. It's not going to make or break us. If you're leaning on a third-pairing defenseman to carry you, then you've got bigger problems. But I'm just saying, I really am hoping that he is not on the third pairing. I'm hoping they either – whether it's Benning or Jeremy Davies. Again, I have to go back to experience, though. I am big on playoff experience, but I'm not going to go as far as saying you Branson should be in there. I would – I, I'm on the Benning train. I'm sorry. I'm on Benning. Yeah, I, I like Benning, Benning a lot. Has, I think Matt Benning has earned his right to start game one. On Branson the third doesn't have play. Well, the thing is, we picked him up as a death for veteran experience. I'm like, Branson doesn't have playoff experience. At least not anything. Does anyone. Speaking of players we haven't seen in a while, uh, what's our update on Mark Barvietsky? Is he just. Is he done for. I know there's been nothing official, but he's I haven't even listening. heard anything like. He's still listening on the injury report. Potential. Yeah, he's still listening on the injury report. We haven't got an update for I mean, him, but he's he's still technically he, he, injured. If he was healthy, then I would, you know, he's another player who has a ton of experience that I would want in the lineup. But with him not being available, it's Matt Benning, and I'm okay um, with it. 
he also yeah. just had a, had a kid too, so I wonder if it might be that they've kind of extended his uh, his injury leave just because of you know having a kid and because they really That's don't need him right now. But yeah, I mean, yeah. does he help with depth? Absolutely. But do I put him in over those six that we kind of mentioned earlier? No, no. not right now. No. Well, we okay. He, so he we're all in if we need him. But we are all in agreement that Eric Branson should not be starting for Game One. Yeah. Right. All right. <laughs> Landry, Landry, Landry Agnes is on here. It says Lucas Spiza lives in their spare bedroom. Oh. <laughs> and then Mike Twitter said. We found Lucas Spiza. Mike Twitter said Spiza was front and center for the team picture last week. Oh. I mean, like a lot of these so guys, they'll be going. He's they'll, be injury designated. they'll be injury designated, but they always like appear for things. I mean, Philip Forsberg, like, he was, he was on an right. Instagram game for, for yeah. four weeks and never actually played in those four so weeks. Luca, so. so Lucas Spiza is staying in Landry's spare bedroom, but he yep. somehow made it to the team photo. So yep. that's good to know. Yeah. I wonder if so he's, yeah. a, he's a real person. He is a yeah. real person. That's good to know. All right. So your new uh, neighbor down there calling Bill Spiza, that's not him apparently. Apparently not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well – all right. You know, we're we're all joking around right now, but a couple really unfortunate injuries and Lucas Pisa starting. So yeah. So we didn't, oh, we didn't well, mention we, Listen, we, we got didn't some, mention, we deep people. That's all right. right. We didn't mention Spiza at all last episode. Yeah, we had to make up for it. So now we made up for it, so let's move on. All right, let's, let's move on. Tyler Lewington. I, I would take Tyler Lewington over Lucas Pisa. I'm just going to make that last little two cents on oh, that. Yeah. Right. And I like I like Tyler Lewington. I actually do. Yeah. I think he's played well in his limited time that he's gotten. All right, yeah. let's uh Let's move on to some serious predictions here. Again, this is Catfish on Ice, episode 44, playoff edition. Feels so good to be saying that because I, I put this out there. If you would have asked me two months ago when I was promoting this episode, what would we be talking about? I would have said, coming up on episode 44, the Preds are wallowing in the Central Division basement with the Detroit Red Wings. How quickly is this rebuild going to happen? But that's why you play the games. That's why we love hockey. And the Preds figured out a way to get in. So this is Playoff Edition Hockey, Episode 44. Game 1 is Monday against the Carolina Hurricanes. We've got the official schedule. Game one's Monday. Game 2 is Wednesday of next week. And then we've got uh, the home games, Games 3 and 4, in Bridgestone Arena on Friday and Sunday. How perfect is that? Playoff right. hockey in Smashville for a weekend. Oh, all and, for it. And they raised the the uh, how many people can be in Bridgestone. It's to over 12,000. 12, yeah, over 12,000. Right, yep. That's so awesome. you know that environment's going to be crazy. I've already said that that this fan base is bottled up right now from 2019 when they lost to the Stars, when we lost to the Stars. So you know that that environment is going to be nuts. And Ryan Johansson even already came out and said, put it out there, the fan energy, they feed off of it. He's not the only player that has said that in the past. They talk about it constantly, about how the fan energy at Bridgestone Arena, they feed off this. So Friday and Saturday, or Friday and Sunday will be your games three and four. Hopefully we split with Carolina. If we get back to if we get back to Nashville on Friday with a split, mm-hmm. oh my God, that building's gonna be coming down. Yeah. It's going to be exciting. So let's get into some series predictions here. Series predictions. We've already put our predictions out on how we think the series is going to finish as far as how many games. I'm sticking to my guns. I know I'm negative. I got Canes in six. Rich and Colin got the Preds in six. Go back and listen to episode 43 if you want to hear our analysis on that. We're going to tease you on that. You got to go back and listen. 
Yep. Go on Apple, go on Spotify, go listen to episode 43. You can hear our analysis on it. But that was our prediction. We're going to get into some more in-depth predictions here. Well, I'm going to throw it out there. We're going to talk about it right now. My first one, who leads the team in goals for this playoff series? I'll go ahead and start us off. And I don't think it's as clear cut for me. Everyone's going to say Philip Forsberg. I'm not I'm not going chalk here. I'm not going Philip Forsberg. Uh, Colin's nodding his head over there, so I don't think he's going Forsberg either. I don't know about Rich. Rich has an evil grin on his face right now, so I don't know. Uh, I don't know what that means. I'm going out on a limb, and I'm going Callie Yarncroke here. Oh, that's not a bad choice, actually. I think Callie Yarncroke's going to lead the team in goals. I think he's got the eye of the tiger right now. I think that he is ready for this moment. I have loved what Yarncroke has done, seizing his role on this team as a regular top six player. Mr. Steady. I've loved it, man. And I'm so ready to see the Iron Hook have some playoff success. So that's my that's my prediction for a team leader in goals. I kind of uh, hope you're right because I, I love tweeting out just using the word Iron Hook. It's such yeah, it's so fun to game. say. It's just like the it best is. nickname ever. But uh, for me, uh, I'm going to go with the guy that's going to bring balance to the scoreboard, and that's Luke Cunning. Uh, uh, that's a good, that's one. good one. That is a good one. So I was going to go with Cunning as well. Uh, but I think we might see a, uh, if he can get in and get healthy, a rejuvenated Victor Arvidsson. Ooh, that'd be the right time to do hey, it. I really want him to turn it on and just just take over. That's not a no bad pick, pick, Rich, because no. guess what? Arvidsson is never shy about firing the puck at the net. Uh, yep. Now, yep. what, what is now? Maybe the better question would be, what is Victor Arvidsson's shooting percentage going to be in this series? Because <laughs> if it's down there below five or four percent, which is what it's been for yeah. most of the season, then we it's might true. have a problem with that prediction. But the guy, is not, the, the guy you know they, is not shy about firing pucks at the net. So you know what they say, though, we got to get pucks oh, to the net. You got to shoot to score, right? So he might be score. he might be our assist leader by the time it's all said and done. But that's the thing. Like if he if he gets down low, absolutely. I try. I think RV could you know reignite yeah. it. But if he takes those you know twenty five feet out on the circle, yeah. like he's not he's not going to stand a chance. Yeah, Arvidsson looks like me when I'm playing NHL twenty one on Xbox. I just fire it and just hope I score. Shoot so, or shoot, uh, baby. It doesn't work. It doesn't necessarily work in real hockey. So um, no. yeah, but I think in the bubble in the bubble last year he played really well in the playoffs. I mean they didn't yeah. win and all, but he he did have. I think he had the most goals out of anybody, didn't he? Or was it Florida? No. I don't remember. But you know, remember. there's always a chance. So, so our uh, our prediction in team leader goals, none of us had Philip Forsberg. So there you have it. There, yeah. um, I got Yarncroke. Collins got Luke Cunning and Rich has Victor Arvidsson. So there you go with that. Um, give us your responses on these questions too. Let us know what your predictions are. We'll retweet mm -hmm. them. We'll share them in the comments uh, on the broadcast here. We want to see. We want to hear what your predictions are on these as well. So here's my next one for series predictions. Will Soros's goals against average be below three? And I got to end it. I got to end it with this. And Will Pe Will Pecorine have to be called in in relief at some point? We see it happen a lot in the playoffs. Let me just go ahead and say this: Soros has had to come in for Pecorine a few times in the past in the playoffs. Everyone remembers 2019 when Pecorine gave up four goals in the first period of Game Four against the Stars. It was a train wreck. Sorry to bring it up. I know people don't want to remember this. But Soros had to come in, and he came in and made 20 saves on 21 shots. The Preds still lost that game. But we see it happen a lot in the playoffs where 
a go- they don't want to wreck a goaltender's go- confidence for the next game, so they go ahead and pull that goaltender out and they put in the backup to finish that game, and then they reassess what they're going to do the next game. Do we think Soros is playing on such a high level that this isn't going to happen? First, do we think his goals against average will be a below a three when this series is all said and done? That's that's tough because <laughs> it depends on how how the rest of the team is playing in front of. That's him kind of my measuring. St- that's my measuring stick, though. Like below yeah, a three, right. below a three, you're playing pretty good hockey mm-hmm. as a goaltender. You're seeing the puck good. If you're above a three, normally you're having some problems. Right. Whether it's all on you or not, normally you're having some problems. So that's why I set that number at three. I'm going to go ahead and say he's going to be below three. I think if the Preds lose this series, it is not going to be because of Soros. I think it's going to be because they can't get enough goal support. I agree with you. I'm going to, I'm going to go bold, especially if I'm going to, if I, if I'm going to stand by my six, you know, Preds and six prediction, I think he has to play below three. I think it might be a 2.75, but I think it's below three. I'll take right. a 2.75. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll take that and run with it. Um, so as far as if he keeps that, then then we shouldn't expect Pecorino in the series, right? We won't have to call him. We don't think that the Hurricanes are going to come out and put a five spot on us one game, and we have to throw Rene in there to finish out the third period or to finish out the second half of the game. Not unless it's game six. We're up in the series 3-1, and we've got a score of right. you know, three to nothing. That I think so you think it's Soros' show to run? Yeah. I think so. Right. I think we have to go with it. We have to hope that that happens. <clears throat> yeah. Because if they have to pull Soros for Rene, odds are things are not going too well for us. So uh, let's also go back. So, I mean, that's the thing, though. Let's go back to 2018. I, I know we love Pecorine and it's been all positive about Pecorine, but his playoff struggles have been well noted. Back in 2018, uh, first round series against Colorado, even though the Preds won that series. Uh, against a very young and inexperienced Colorado team that was just kind of starting to build into what they are now. <laughs> Rene got chased out of that series as well for a game. He got he gave up four goals on 15 shots, and Soros yeah. had to come in and made all 18 saves after he came in a relief. And then also against Winnipeg, we all remember Pekka struggled in that series as well, and the Preds lost in the second round. So I'm just saying it can happen. Just because you're playing great hockey as a goaltender – Sometimes coaches want to protect their goaltender and pull them out of the game. Don't let their confidence go. So I'm not saying it's completely far-fetched that we don't see Pecorino at some point in this series, but we'll have to wait and see. All right, here's my last uh, prediction here. How many power play goals will Forsberg and Tolvanen combined score in this series? And I think this is a huge factor into whether the Preds are going to beat the Hurricanes. How much success can they have on the power play to even out this gap that there is between these two teams when it comes to special teams and when it comes to just offensive production? I think the Preds have to have enormous success on the power play to win this series. So uh, let me go ahead and give my number out there. I got this series going six games. I do have Carolina winning it, but I still got it going six games. And if this series is going to go six games, I need at least three power play goals from these two. I was, I was going to say, I was going to say four. So I'm, I'm right there around that area with you. Yeah. They got to have some success here. I mean, because yeah. that's what's going to balance the scales out a little bit in this series. But what gives me pause, and this is why I had the Carolina Hurricanes winning this series in six, 
the special teams gap is really, really wide between mm-hmm. these two teams. The Carolina Hurricanes are a great penalty killing team. They're a really good power play team. The Preds are not in either category. So now, that's where we is, have to balance these scales. Historically, the Preds, I mean, they've been one of they've actually it's weird. The during like the actual season itself, the Preds have kind of struggled in the penalty kill the last few seasons. We've gotten better this season actually with it. But historically, the penalty kill somehow figures itself out in the playoffs for the Preds. I mean, they've they've had a decent clip for for penalty kill. It's 80, I think above eighty percent. I want to say around eighty two percent. Not bad, especially for the Preds, considering how we started this year. Um, I think that we're much better than what we've seen. And, and the last couple of games against the the, the Canes, our penalty kill has been solid. That game on uh, game on um, what was it Saturday? Like that was a solid penalty mm-hmm. killing effort. So I mean, it, it's one of those things where it just kind of depends on who shows up and, and how they perform. But I think that we could. We can neutralize them. I mean, we may not neutralize all their opportunities, but if we limit them to maybe one per game, then it's very, very much doable. For me, it's a matter of how are we going to make sure we stay out of the box because they do have some people that yeah. agitate us. There's a certain player by the name of Nino Ninorider that we cannot stand, and I don't think anybody can really stand him. But um, it's going to be interesting to see how we can really make sure that we uh, play a clean hockey game. Yeah, and they really need Tolvanen to get back to his – Pre-injury oh, yeah. form. That's that's a that's a huge one right there. You really yeah. want to see him get back to that. So uh, you mentioned, uh, Colin. You mentioned that a uh, three-one win that the Preds uh, had over the Carolina Hurricanes uh, to clinch officially clinch the playoffs. Uh, the Hurricanes only got one power play attempt in that game, but I think it also is important to point out: Can the Preds play a clean series? Can yeah. they pull it? Not pull it back in the sense of don't play aggressive, but can they play a very, very smart, disciplined game and limit their power play opportunities? That's a way that you can really keep the Hurricanes from running up the score. Is And I know we preach this all the time. We've preached it all season. Hey, Preds, can you just play a little bit smarter? Not commit the dumb penalties. More so than ever in this series, the Preds are going to have to – make sure they play a smart series and limit those uh, Hurricanes power play opportunities. Very, very few mistakes because they, well, they will jump all over that. But when it comes yeah. to us being on the power play, that's why I asked that question. I think if Forsberg and Tolvanen can reignite their power play connection here, then I think that can definitely balance the scales to where we can give some goal support to UC Soros. The way UC Soros is playing right now, give the man – Give the man some goal support, yeah, and I guarantee absolutely. you we can make this an interesting series, yeah. and can even make me prove me wrong, and the Preds can win this series. Well, you're getting that's better. What, that's what we said last week. You had originally said it was Canes and five, but you changed. I, I'm up to six. To six. So maybe I gave the Preds an extra game. Yeah, I have. So, I've given the Preds an extra game. So, so real so. quick, Landry Landry had a question. So you know the Cane, the Hurricanes wear those all black uniforms. Yeah. He, th- he wants to know, do you guys think that that uh, stop, help, uh, hampers the goalies, like their ability to see the puck? Because, you know, their uniforms, even, there's nothing. The only color on the, on the, on the, on the jersey is the red, like that, that uh, flag. So, yeah. I, think, I, mean, I think it's helpful to see red, though. I mean, that from, from a vision standpoint. So, yeah. that, that kind of reminds me of back in 2017. There was talks about how Pecorine couldn't see the puck effectively in Pittsburgh. Yeah. That's what they're uniforms. 
I will say like the yeah they're black and then their gold is a very neutral gold so I can give them on that on on Pittsburgh but for the Carolina, the Carolina Hurricanes to still have that red and the, and it's kind of one of those things where our jerseys are so bright that I feel like you almost have to be able to see those guys a little bit better just because right. we play with such a clean white jersey that it's one of those things where I feel like we can kind of pick on them but there is something to be said about that though that does yeah. have a, a factor into it I mean when you when it comes to goaltenders being able to see the puck. I mean, uniforms do matter in a certain degree, and yeah. so that's a, that's a really good question that Landry had there. And yeah. I, I mean, it's something you got to think about for sure. And teams think about these kind of things. They, they do. Yeah. They yeah. choose their uniform it. combinations. They think about. It. They pull out all the stops. They think about this stuff. So I, uh, just, I just, I just remember, I just remember that coming out back in 2017, yeah. where uh, uh, Pecorino's house of horrors was um, was Pittsburgh. He yeah. he just could not play there, right. and. Uh, I, I, I there were talks about those, that. Uh, those all black uniforms that the Hurricanes have. I really do like those. I think they're pretty no, sharp. I dig them. They're 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 I awesome. A lot. They look like they're pretty cool. But I know a lot of people don't like them. But. Yeah. Well, we can't like anything about the Hurricanes right now. I know. Right? That's why I hated to say it. I, I gotta I gotta give some uh, love uh, to Kyle Perkins, who's on Renegades of Puck. Uh, we, uh, we talk to him a lot on social media. He's an awesome guy. Go follow Kyle Perkins on Twitter. Um, I think it's AK, at KPerk86, I think is his Twitter handle. I'll make sure that's right because I want to give him some love. But he put out he put out a preview in their show today, uh, the National Predators versus the Carolina Tropical Depressions. <laughs> that's pretty good. So yeah, we're going to roll with that. The Carolina Hurricanes are now the Tropical Depressions. And so um, good stuff from Kyle Perkins there. He always puts out really good stuff, so uh, go follow him. All right, so that's kind of our series predictions. Do you uh, guys have any other ones that you want to throw out there? That's it for me right now. I'm just ready to get to it. Let's get it on. All right, last thing we got for episode 44, playoff edition of the Catfish and Ice podcast, because the next time we have an episode, we are going to be talking about game one. Game one. On Monday. So we got to get it all in here. So what better way than do press trivia – which the guys always think I'm unfair and uh, this is like some evil game I love to play. But um, it's still it's, fun. It's true. We got, you do. We got to test our knowledge here. We got we to gotta, we gotta keep ourselves grounded here. We got to make sure that we're doing our homework here if we're going to be National Predators podcast host over here. All right. I'm kidding a little bit, but seriously. <laughs> Let, let's see. Let's test our knowledge here. Um, I got my first question here. This, these are playoff-oriented questions. And if you're watching the stream or if you're listening to the podcast uh, later on, don't cheat. Test yourself. Ask yourself this question and see if you can get it right. Let's have some fun with this. So here's my question. Who led the team in points during their 2017 Stanley Cup run? I got it's mul- These are all multiple choice. These are all multiple choice. A, I love the look on Colin's face. He's like, <laughs> A, a James Neal, B Roman Yossi, C Victor Arvidsson, or D Philip Forsberg. D. No, I'll say D. Ah, you guys got it right there. Good job. I thought I could throw you guys off by putting Roman Yossi in there, but um, it was Philip Forsberg. Philip Forsberg go. had 16 points in that playoff run to the Cup. Uh, Roman Yossi had 14 points. Victor Arvidsson had 13 points and James Neal had nine points. So that was a good guess. Uh, Colin, you got a you got a question for us? 
I do, I do. Uh, who has the highest points per game uh, percentage for the uh, the National Predators in playoff I'm history, like, like franchise history? Yeah, and I'm like, I, I, I oh. well, yeah, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you some, uh, I'll give you a multiple choice here. You don't even give uh, us multiple choice. I'll, 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 give you, I'll, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you multiple choice. You guys I call down, me but, bad. All right, Joel Ward, Paul Correa, Ryan Johansson, or Dennis Gris Bestoff. You know what? I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go out on a limb here. I'm gonna go Joel Ward. I'll just say Jonathan. I have no idea. <laughs> Dennis Chris Beshkov has oh, a that was wrong. point point per game. He played in two games, got two assists. You want to talk about a trick question? You want to talk about a messed up question? So I'm sorry. Oh my gosh, mine's probably pretty easy. I'm not very good at these, so I got I crafted my. Um, question off of the Predators website and I think they need to update some of the stuff so Predators career playoff leader in goals is Philip Forsberg with 26 Predators career playoff leader in points is Philip Forsberg with 49 Yep. who is the career playoff leader in assists Uh, I got a question I I think I know it I'm going to go All right. well if you already know it let me get my uh, my answer I didn't do multiple choice I thought I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go Shea Weber. I'm gonna go Ryan Johansson. It is Ryan Johansson. Uh, it's with 28. Uh, yeah. So on the website, it's got like Forsberg. It says his goals are like 22, and that's not right. I had to look it up on another website. So, oh. come on. I, I got. I got. I got a good one for you. Who who leads the? Uh, well, here I'll I'll give you some multiple choice here. Let me make sure I pull it up right. Who <laughs> leads the Predators in uh in penalty bar or penalty minutes? So we got Shea Weber, Mateus Ekholm, Austin Watson, or Jordan Tutu. Ooh, I'd say I would go. I would. My first guess. I'm going Austin Watson. Tutu. My first guess would be Tutu. I'm going Austin Watson. You're both, you're both wrong. Mateus oh. Ekholm. I really oh. suck at this. 60, wow. uh, he, has, he has 68 penalty minutes. Uh, Jordan Tutu's second with 63. Shea Weber has 57. Austin Watson, a, a very conservative 48. Maybe he just wow. didn't want to fight in the playoffs. Wow. <laughs> yeah. All right. I think I like asking the question more than av- having to answer them. So <laughs> Welcome, to, uh, welcome to our life. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I got a good one here. I got a good one here. In uh, 2012, who scored the game-winning goal – Versus the Detroit Red Wings to clinch the series four games to one. 2012. A, Patrick Hornfist. B, Shea Weber. C, David Legwand. Or D, Mike Fisher. Ooh. Mm. Not easy. This ain't a softball. This is like, you really got to know your stuff here. 2012. Mm. I'm going to go David Legwand. All I'm right. gonna guess. I'm gonna guess and say Shea Weber. It is Collins, right? It's David yes. Legwan, and that's the thing there about David Legwan. He was always that type where he just came up in clutch moments sometimes, and that was towards the end of his Preds career. He wasn't around much longer yeah. after that, so it's no. pretty cool to see that. I remember that series like it was like like it was last week. That was such a big deal. The Preds had already won one playoff series, but that to beat the Detroit Red Wings, it was yeah. right up there yeah. with how it felt to beat the Blackhawks to sweep the Blackhawks in 2017. Um, that was a big deal to beat Big Brother like it, like we did four to one. That was huge. 
So and that um, was uh, that was kind of the end of uh, I forget his name. Um, coach for the Red Wings. The yeah, Babcock. Uh, yeah, that was the kind of the end of his run. Yeah, you know, as as being. I remember as that look on his face. Like, I remember that look on his face. He was just like, really, like that yeah. was. Let me, let me say this too about that <laughs> yeah, right. just to talk about that series that was the first time as a Preds fan that I realistically felt like we were in the Stanley Cup conversation for years to come yeah, like that geez. team that was the first time I ever remember being a Preds fan I'd been a Preds fan for over a decade at that point I remember that was the first time I ever realistically looked at my team and been like you know what we belong in this conversation we've got a squad here Mm-hmm. Nashville Predators hockey is here to stay. We're becoming a force in the NHL, and it was when we beat the Red Wings 4-1 to in that series, and David Legwan scored that game-winning goal in 2012. My last mm-hmm. question to round out press trivia, playoff edition. You guys are actually having some success with these. You guys are doing good. Uh, all right, here it is. In their first playoff, In their first playoff series win – the Preds scored four goals in all four wins against the Anaheim Ducks that year. Who led that team in playoff goals before losing to San Jose in the second round? First of all, I found that is a really crazy stat. They scored four goals in each of the four wins in that series. But, all right, who led the team in playoff goals that season? Was it A, Joel Ward? B, Steve Sullivan, C, Martin Erat, or D, Nick Spalling. For all your classic Ooh. Preds fans, you remember Nick Spalling. He was a, a good little player there for a little bit. Um, I'm going to go with uh, – would you say C is Martin Erat? C is Martin Erat. I'm going to go with C, Martin Erat. Yeah, I'll guess C as well. That's a total guess. I have no idea. It's actually Joel Ward. Oh, Joel okay. Ward scored seven goals in that wow. playoff run. Nice. And they only made it to the second round. Yeah. So that's jo- good. Joel Ward was on a was on a tear. He was nice. a fun player to watch. Joel Ward. I know Rich became a Preds fan a little bit later on. Yeah. But go back and watch some highlight reels of Joel Ward in a Predators uniform. This guy was fun to watch. That's he cool. was he was one of the. He was almost like a Rocco Grimaldi in a way. Like he was, he was a spark plug. He was a smart player. He was, he was, he had tenacity, and that's kind of like why I love this team we're watching now. Is that it feels like it's a full team of those types of players. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, seven goals in that playoff run. That's crazy, that's a lot. Where the Preds, uh, that was their first uh, playoff appearance where they made it to the second round. They played the San Jose Sharks, which that team was stacked. That team was way bigger than us, and we just couldn't match them. They, we couldn't match their physicality. If anyone remembers the San Jose Sharks, that was, they still had Joe Thornton. They had Pavelski. Mm. They had Nabokov as their um, as their goalie. They were just – they were kind of our kryptonite. They were the team that we just couldn't get past mm. uh, in those early playoff teams for the Preds. And so, um, Joel Ward, though. Joel Ward was an awesome player. Um, so, that's our Preds Ooh. trivia. That's our episode 44 playoff edition of the Catfish and Ice podcast. We appreciate everyone for listening, and we are trying to set the table right now for game one. And we don't want this ride to end. I don't know about you guys, but we do not want this wave to end right now. So, absolutely not. We got to get ready for it. And who's to say this can't be a repeat of 2017?
Why not us? Right, guys? Yep. Yep. Why not us? And there's a lot of teams out there who feel the same way. Let's throw them out there. The Minnesota Wild. Mm -hmm. I'm sure they're feeling the same way right now. They got a lot of buzz around them. Uh, The Montreal Canadiens are another team that no one's really given a chance. So this is why we love the Stanley Cup playoffs, is for moments like this. And the Preds, they got their way in. They're here. And we are all ready for it. So thanks for listening to episode 44 of the Catfish and Ice podcast presented by DraftKings. Again, go get the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use our promo code THPN for exclusive offers on Daily Fantasy on UFC 262 coming up this weekend. And you'll have a lot of fun with that. Next time we see y'all, it will be reacting to Game 1 of the Stanley Cup playoffs this coming up Monday. Everyone have a great weekend. Take care. Reach out to us on social media at, at Catfish Ice on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And until then, everyone stay safe out there. 